You're listening to Black and White, Can We Just Talk? from Piedmont International University. Your hosts are University President Charles Pettit, as well as Sheriff and former DEA agent Bobby Kimbrough. Black and White is a program where we take current issues and provide you, the listener, with unique perspectives from two different worlds. Our hosts may not agree on everything, except that friendship and dialogue should never be constricted by societal expectations. Here are your hosts, Bobby Kimbrough and Charles Pettit. Hi, this is Bobby, and welcome to Black and White, Can We Just Talk, the Week in Review. Hello, this is Charles, and we also welcome all of our listeners out there. Well, I'm glad to be back for another week. I'm, I'm sure, as like most of us across the state, whether you're in Tennessee, whether you're in uh, North Carolina, whether you're in Virginia, no matter where you are in this United States or this world, the thing that is, is populating every conversation is the coronavirus. What are we doing? How are we surviving it? Uh, I saw the numbers were up around 14,000, and I was amazed by that because I said 14,000 confirmed cases. Then, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but I started thinking, Doc, how many people have those 14,000 people come in contact with? So I guess, you know, that's a great place to start talking about the coronavirus. What are we doing and how are we going to do this? Yeah, this is our uh, weekend review every week, and if there's anything to review this week, that is it. <laughs> and uh, with yeah. uh, 14,000, I think you're right. I heard uh, Governor Newsom in California uh, just uh, over the last few hours said that he actually has implemented a true stay-at-home uh, order, and he says if you don't follow these orders, he predicts that half of the people in California will – end up being infected there are 40 million people in california which would mean 20 million infections he might be you know grandstanding just a little bit to scare people into compliance but if you do the math on that it's a terrifying number because they're saying that between one and two percent of the people so far in the world who have uh, been infected have died and if that were true, and 20 million people in California ended up with coronavirus, we're talking about over a quarter of a million deaths wow. just in that state. Wow. So I'm, I'm really hoping that he's uh, truly exaggerating just to scare people into compliance. But uh, it's amazing how quickly it can spread. You, Italy today, this morning, the news is that Italy has surpassed China uh, as far as the, the most reported deaths. Now, we don't know if China is telling the truth. That's something to think a tiny country, or at least by comparison to China, like Italy could already have more deaths than China. This is true. This is truly a time in our history when the me must become we. You know, so many times in our lives we become me, and it's time for us to become we. Because if not, as you just said, you know, our our our, our survival is depending on how we galvanize. Our survival is depending on how we approach this, not me. You know, I, you know, we always talk about this black and white thing. We always talk about uh, the separation. We always talk about our economic difference and our differences. And I can truly tell you that this is not a time where differences should even come into play. This is a time where the, the me must become we. And so that, I, I've been looking across the country and seeing a lot of different things. I see that the, the purchase of uh, farms are increasing. I don't know if you've been keeping up with that as well. I have. I tried to buy a few machine guns myself and uh, was unable to uh, find any. You know, I'm, I'm joking. That's a bad joke. 
Yeah. But it is yeah. Uh, it is interesting that every time we have any kind of a crisis, it seems that Americans run to the gun stores. Uh, I uh, have an acquaintance who was telling me about a friend who is buying ammo by the 55-gallon drum uh, as if he's going to start a country and go to war with some other country. I mean, I can't, I can't speak to – I was about to comment on what I thought about that, but then, you know, the older I've gotten, I've said, you know, let me hold that comment. But I think, <laughs> I, I think that this is not a time to be buying firearms. This is a time to, for us, as I said, to try to figure out how do we become more lovable, how do we become more caring for one another. You know, I tell the story last week I was at the um, – at one of the local Wal, Wal, Walgreens here in uh, North Carolina. And I had went in there, and every time I go in the store, I always just walk the aisle and check the toilet tissue aisle and see if any is available. And they had just put up some on the shelves. And as I was walking toward there, I literally, literally saw the lady grab 10 packs. And I, and I did the math, right, and I said, well, there are 52 weeks in a year and there's, what, 12 in a pack, and she grabbed 10 of them, that's 120. She literally has enough tissue for the whole year. And I started thinking about the me, right? She did, that was for her. She didn't think about the we because if she did, she would just grab the few and say, you know what, I'm not going to hoard it. And I think that a lot of this, how you handle the situation will determine, will affect how you come out of that situation, how you view it. And we've got to start looking at this and saying, how can I help somebody else do this? What can I do? Let's think of this uh, from a perspective of we, 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 not me. And that, that, that starts to bother me with what I see going on. You know, I was glad when the president came out and said that there no, will be no more uh, HUD evictions or HUD foreclosures during this state of emergency. I think that's something that we should adopt across this country. I mean, we can't put people on the streets during a state of emergency when a, when a system is already stressed and stressed. How do, how do we continuously stress it even more by putting families on the street? I think we've got to stop and look at some things because we're in times we've never seen before. This is totally different from N1. This is totally different from the Ebola virus. This is totally different from things we've faced before. And the numbers that you gave earlier should tell you that we've got to look at this differently, else we will look back in history, and history will judge us as fools. Yeah, you know, if you put the – and I actually saw you were on the news this week uh, talking about the eviction question just right here in our own county. And I was thinking about that. The truth is, in addition to hurting those families who are in a, you know, a really tough situation at this moment, you also put everybody at risk in a sense. You put people out, which means there's got to be lots more contact. Obviously, your multiple trips to somebody's house, then they're trying to find some other place, everybody moving around. They've asked us to sort of shelter at home. In fact, I, am, uh, I know you're in our studio right now because you're braver than me, and I'm sitting on my deck. No, right you're now, privileged. You're wife, privileged, Doc. You know, you still, you still, you still the middle-aged white American. You privileged, Doc. Let's not <laughs> let's let's keep this conversation true. You privileged. You know, I've got to go to work. You know, I've got to brave through this, and you're privileged. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're, you're the sheriff. You, you gotta. You gotta. No, nah, you're still privileged, Doc. But go ahead. <laughs> That's another conversation for another day. But go ahead. I know you don't want to hear that this morning, right? <laughs> And you know what, Doc? My problem is— No, Doc, hold on, hold on. You know what? Even in times of pearls, even in state of emergency, right, there's still privilege going on. Did you know that? Did you know know that some of the wealthy people, 
even though we are short on testings and tests, right, some of the affluent people still have access, even though it was a toilet tissue issue. Some of the people have box of Charmin delivered to their houses. Ain't, ain't it amazing, even in a state of emergency, there's still privileges still being given, ain't it? Yeah, probably more than ever. And I'm sitting here trying to either come up with something clever or an argument, but there aren't any. So I won't try. Uh, but you're exactly right. And, and it was bad all the time, but I think it gets a lot worse. Uh, we have a, a saying. We had a professor here at the university who taught here for years, and he, he used to always say, uh, people are people first and Christians second. And unfortunately, that's a little too much the, the truth. What you said earlier about uh, people grabbing enough toilet paper to last them for a couple of years, uh, not only is that silly for themselves, but they are they're, it's so unchristlike. It's the exact opposite of this kind of sacrifice. This is the, kind, the time when Christians should stop and really start thinking about how to serve. It's a little more difficult if, if you've been told to keep your distance, shelter at home, don't come within six feet of people. There's a whole lot of these interesting rules that make this different, like you said a minute ago, than any other situation we've ever faced. But I believe that creative people and people with good hearts We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, and they'll uh, and they'll be there to serve the others, and not just take advantage of everybody else. I got a buddy of mine, right? I got a buddy of mine. Uh, I'll just say his first name. His name is Max, right? Um, uh, Max runs a uh, real estate company here in town, right? Max Maxwell. He runs a real estate here in town. Yep. Real estate company. I was having a conversation with him the other day, and I went up to his office. You know, very beautiful office. Uh, nice location here in downtown Winston-Salem. And I was saying, where are all the people at? Uh, They're not working today. And he said, I sent them home uh, for a month. And I said, you sent them home for a month? And he said, yes. And I said, are you going to pay them for the month? He said, of course I am. And I said, you're going to pay them for being at home for a month. And he said this to me, and I, and, and I haven't forgotten that. What he said was that I have enough money. Uh, this economy won't affect me. I have enough. He says, but how can I put them at risk to come here to this office when I know that they probably would because they need the money? And what kind of person would I be having more than enough to put them at risk just so that I can get more. And I said it's to hard him, to, and I said to I, him, I, I said to him, I said, you know what? That's the God in you, man. And I said, I'm proud of you for doing that. But anyway, I mean, those are the kind of gestures that we've got to have to where people start considering other people. Yeah, and it's really an interesting, challenging time. So we made a decision since our last show to send all of our main campus students home and to send them online. And, uh, you know, we, again, did this. We, we followed very closely the guidance of the government, uh, both federal, state, and local, and the, the health authorities. And so we were watching that very, very carefully. If you go to our website and look at the series of announcements that we posted, they all follow very carefully those guidelines. But, you know, we had parents calling saying, you know, my kid lives in this state. They're maybe on the other side of the country. And would it really be safer for that kid to travel all the way across the country versus maybe staying in Piedmont's residence halls in the county that so far has only had two uh, confirmed cases. Uh, and so it's an interesting time where sometimes it's difficult to know exactly what is best for everyone. In the end, we decided it would be best for them to all go home and to all go to online. And we gave them a second week of spring break this week 
uh, so that they could get ready. And, uh, and the, we were fortunate in that we already have online and, uh, and almost everything we offer was already available online. So there were some adjustments to be made, but not as hard as it might be uh, for others. We also required all older employees to begin working from home immediately. In fact, uh, we're only allowing a very small um, group of what we would call essential uh, people to come into the office. And while they're at the office, they have to practice social uh, distancing. Uh, we do have to keep the uh, software running and the business office running and a few things like that. Uh, but everyone else is uh, working from home if they possibly can. And again, we already had systems that enabled this. Uh, a lot of folks don't, but we did. And uh, we already had employees working from six different states. And so uh, they're, they're accustomed to even our CFO is in another state. Our, our main campus is North Carolina. Uh, he works from Virginia. And my joke has been for years, you know, he comes down once a week to spend a day on campus. And my joke for years has been, I wish he wouldn't come down for that day because he gets more done when he's in Virginia. Uh, so it's a, it's a really interesting and challenging time for everybody. So, you know, you was talking about some of the precautions that people are taking. And you talked about that social distance, that social distance, social distance. That's the word that I keep hearing, hearing social distance. And one of the things that I, I, I don't want us to lose, I don't want us to lose focus of is that we cannot lose our moral distance. We cannot lose our, uh, our, our emotional distance to one another. We cannot re- never forget that, that we are tied to one another. Now, we can, we can be socially distanced in terms of this virus, but we've got to make sure we stay morally connected. We've got to make sure that we stay somewhat emotionally connected to one another because our future and our success depends on it. And what I'm seeing is across the country and across I, I, I'm looking forward to more people, more leaders stepping up and bringing people together and, and bringing us uh, this, this cohesiveness that is going to take to get us out of this. Because we're truly going to lose more people now. We're truly going to, the virus is spreading so rapidly. Just the other day, two days ago, it was 8,000. Two days later, we had 14,000. And imagine what it would be when they start testing and finding out. The yep. numbers are just jumping exponentially beyond our imagination. And do we have the resources? Some say yes, some say no. Some hospitals are saying that they're just two to three weeks away from an emergency situation. And so I, I, I'm starting to look at this from a whole different perspective. And I guess, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, when you're in a situation, it's going to take a belief system that is greater than self to get you out of that situation. Absolutely. And, you, you know, you just reminded me of, uh, I'm sure our listeners have heard many, many different kinds of stories like the one I'm just getting ready to tell. But uh, my brother lives in upstate South Carolina. And he said that there is a hospital, a regional hospital in the city of Traveler's Rest, uh, not far from Greenville, and that they basically emptied the hospital and sent everybody uh, in there for other reasons to different hospitals. And they are making that a standalone coronavirus hospital. That's all they're going to be treating there. And uh, one of the uh, top administrators at our own Baptist hospital here, the Wake Forest Hospital in Winston, was telling me we were talking about things they're doing to try to prep and get ready for this because like you said whether we like it or not it's coming and it's coming in large numbers and uh thankfully there were there were some steps that were taken but still a little slow uh hey yeah i, I did like like what you said there about the uh, uh the, the coming together uh, i've been shocked over the last uh, day or so to hear governor cuomo 
and President Trump saying favorable things about each other. I never thought I'd live to see that day. And then when I, when I see Trump and Pelosi saying good things about each other, I'll know it's an emergency then uh, and that we're coming together. But why, but does it right. have to, why does it have to be an emergency for us to come together? Imagine if we were together prior to the emergency, how strong we would we be? Yeah, our good two-party system almost requires, just for checks and balances, it requires you know, a lot of back and forth. But it is nice to know that in the middle of something like yeah, this. Yeah, I agree with it, but it, I agree with the two-party system, but a two-party system doesn't require animosity. It doesn't require disrespect. It doesn't doesn't maintain. It doesn't have to have um, the venom. It doesn't have to have the distrust. I mean, you can have a balance and check, but it can be a little balance and check with a little more cohesiveness. Um, and yeah, I think the, the rhetoric uh, the rhetoric ought to be uh, toned down. Yeah, it it's not necessary. That's right. It's not and, necessary. And uh, of course, you're on, you're on the political side of things. I'm not. And I've been, you know, I've been watching uh, you, you like a hawk just because I have a respect for you and we have a friendship. And so I, I keep an eye on things that uh, people are trying to do to you. Uh, it's interesting to me to, to see, you know, the way things come out, the way things are said. And, you know, you've not been on this political thing for long. You're, you're relatively new to that game, but you're already feeling the disinformation and, you know, uh, sanctuary sheriff. And you and I have talked long and hard about how there's no way you're going to put uh, violent criminal sexual offenders on the streets. So that won't stop uh, somebody running against you from saying so. You know what? You know how I live my life now, Doc? I think you and I have had uh, personal conversations. You know, when you get to a place, and I've said this many times, and I say it every chance I get, when you get to a place in life where you've seen more years than you're going to see, I'm 58 years old, and so I, I, I don't want to see 116, nor do I want to see 116. So I live my life now from that place of self-actualization that Mangelo talked about. I live my life from a place of I know who Bobby is, Kimbrough is. I know uh, from whence I come. I know from whence I'm going or trying to go. And so I live my life from a, a spiritual perspective. You know, what, what is right, what is moral, what is legal, and how do I do and how do I treat the least of them? You know, that's what the scripture says, what you do for the least of them you've done for me. And so when I wake up in the morning and I, I make decisions, I, I, I pray about them. I ask God, you know, how do I how do I be a better person? And the position that I sit in, I'm grateful for that position. I'm grateful that the people of this county have given me that opportunity. And so when I make a decision, I don't make a decision whether it's Republican or Democrat, independent, black or white. I make it whether it's right. Because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you want a good person. You don't want a Democrat. You don't want a Republican. You don't want an independent. You don't want a black. You don't want a white. You want a good person. And you know, we talked about yep. this last week. If you went to the doctor tomorrow, you had the coronavirus, you had the flu, you had the cancer, whatever you may have, you don't care what that doctor is. You want the best doctor, bottom line. And, and that's how I live my life. So a lot of things that people say, uh, without uh, validation, without any accreditation, without any type of basis. It's just that that's what they say. I heard a guy say the other day, if you give somebody a $100 bill, they probably say, why didn't you give me 520s? So I realized that, hey, there are people out there that you're never going to satisfy, and that's because they have issues with their own life. So I'm I'm happy with, this, with the skin that I'm in, and um, I'm going to keep doing what I do and doing what thus says the Lord. I'm going to make you a promise. Go ahead. If you give me a $100 bill, I'll just say thank you. Well, you know what? You probably would, but most people would, would do the same thing you said. They would say thank you. But you could probably find one person and say, hey, you wouldn't happen to have 520s, would you? 
I mean, I'm sure you I, I had. I thought you were going to respond by saying, I'll test you on that. I'll give you $100. No, 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 no. Remember, I told you privilege. I work every day. You know, you have the ability to say where you're coming and going. You know, you're from a remote location. You know what? I, 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 I got to share a story, though, Doc. So, you know, we do this 40 days of praying here at uh, Piedmont, right? And this is my first yeah. This is my first time doing this. It is. And so I've never prayed for 30 minutes consistently. Like, I pray every day. But to pray for 30 minutes, that, that was new to me. So when they was giving out the schedule, well, you want to pray? 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock? I said, nah, I won't be up praying at 12, 1, 2, 3, and 4 in the morning. i tell you what I will take, though. I'll take between 7 and 7.30. Those are great mm-hmm. times for me. So I get up about 6.45 the other morning, um, go downstairs. About 7 o'clock, I started praying, and I started praying and thanking God for what he's doing. Bless Piedmont, bless my family, bless my children, uh, bless the citizens of Forsyth County, bless the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office, bless this country. Then I started saying, you know, thanking God for his grace and his mercy and what he's shown in my life. And I started crying when I started thinking about the grace, the mercy, where I've been in my life and what he's done for me and how he's protected me from danger, seen and unseen. And I literally started crying. So I get through praying. I I, I get dressed for work, and I call my executive assistant. I mean, she's a praying woman, a prayer warrior. She leads one of the prayer groups of the church. And I was sharing that experience with her, and she was telling me that you should try it more often. You should make that a, a, a part of your daily life. And then I was sharing it with you. So the following day, which was yesterday, yesterday, I had so many things happen that God did. So I was talking with the mayor here. I was talking with some people here, talking about some situations. And two of those situations were cleared up within a matter of 24 hours, literally, literally. And I said to myself, was that a coincidence or was that God moving? Was that God responding to my prayer? When I said to myself, I'm going to claim that was God responding to my prayer. So I'm going to make that a, a part of my life every day now to pray like that because Prayer wow. moves things, and I, I I had to share that with you because that was a first to me, and I, I've lived my life where if I couldn't touch it, it didn't exist in my life, and now I'm at a point to where I, I, I trust it even when I can't trace it, even when I can't even see it. Wow. I'm not much of an emotional person, but you just gave me chills, or maybe it's because I'm sitting outside in my privileged backyard. I'm not yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 acres so and a I'm mule, saying, probably 80 acres and a mule, two mules, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. So... uh Half the people are turning the radio off right now. Yeah, but, they probably uh, did. <laughs> shutting down the website. Yeah. But uh, so I guess I need to tell everybody since we're, we're just started, you know, every year at our university, we're a Christian university, we do 40 days and 40 nights of uninterrupted prayer. And some people sign up for half hour slots around the clock. So there's somebody praying every minute for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a 1,720 half hour slot. And uh, there, you can still get in on it this year. All you got to do is go to Piedmont International University and uh, scroll down to the bottom of that homepage, and you'll see the link to the 40 days and 40 nights of prayer. Or you can just type in Piedmont and the letter U slash dot uh, edu slash prayer. Piedmontu dot edu slash prayer. And you can sign up and start this as well. You can read all about it there. Uh, we always ask that people would pray for the university, a specific request. And that's true this year as well. But now that we have coronavirus and this crisis, 
we're uh, we're putting a lot of that focus on on those prayers and for each other. And you were saying earlier, uh, this is the time when Christians and everybody really needs to step up and find ways to come together. I think we need to start getting creative because something that makes you distance yourself, shelter at home, uh, kind of be alone, makes it hard to do these things. We're going to have to get creative about it. By the way, uh, yes, Bobby, sir. If you, if you, if you decide to give me a hundred dollars, I won't ask for five twenty, yeah, or even yeah. wonder why you didn't give me the five twenty. I'll just wonder why you didn't give me five hundred. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Well, you know what? If you give me some of the acres you're sitting out there on, I'll give you a hundred dollars, right? Give me, give me some of them. What about eighty, two hundred acres you're sitting on out there? Then, then we probably, <laughs> we probably can make a deal, right? But that's another conversation for another time because I didn't get my forty acres and I didn't get my mule. But you know what I want to leave the people with, Doc? You know what I want to leave the people with? Is that we must never forget that one man or one woman is an individual. That's all it is, an individual. But together, together, we are a movement that is unstoppable and undeniable. We will get through through this, Doc. We've been here before. Our country has endured many things, many storms, but it's going to take togetherness. And I have to stress that it's going to take we, the people, for the people. So uh, we're, I'm hoping that our listeners will take this to heart and, uh, and start getting creative. Start thinking about how can you serve those. Okay, so you ran down and filled your cupboards because you were afraid. And maybe you watched too much Walking Dead and uh, you're pretty much ready for the, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse. And uh, so you stocked up your cupboards. You went and bought some more ammunition. You bought three more guns. And now you're like sitting there paranoid. Why don't we stop? Everybody just stop. And think about what creative things can I do? Is there something I can do? Can I set up an account down at the grocery store to help those? Uh, maybe can I, can I call Walmart and get some deliveries going to people who don't have the same ability that I have to get a delivery from Walmart? Uh, maybe our, our listeners could just stop right now. And in addition to starting to pray, really start thinking about how to go about serving everybody else. That's a good challenge, Doc. That's a great challenge, you know. If you can't, you know, if you can't uh, run, as they say, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But do something. Do something to yep. help someone else. You know, if it's like and you just said, share some of the toilet paper that you've taken off the shelves. <laughs> you know, it's kind of grocery. funny. It's, it's also kind of sad uh, how we uh, how we tend to be at times. Uh, and by the way, everybody's listening to really, really take seriously the uh, instructions given to us by our government. You know, I'm. I'm here where I can see a, a, a major highway, Highway 109, as you you know well, uh, runs from Thomasville to Winston-Salem. And there are cars going up and down that road in, the, in similar numbers, as they always are. And I think a lot of people are kind of ignoring these instructions to try to keep them distant, to stay at home more. Uh, you know, just social distancing, that's a term we've never heard. Brand new vocabulary, I guess. And uh, the term shelter in place, I guess that used to be used to describe what you should do if there was a shooting, a, a, an active shooter shooter situation. But now it's basically try to stay home more. And I'm hoping that our listeners are taking that to heart. And uh, yes, to protect yourself, but you don't know if you're carrying this. You know, you can have these, you can have a couple of weeks go by and be asymptomatic, not even know you have it, be hurting lots of other people just by moving around too much. 
So let's all take that seriously. And Doc, you know, can I just interject something right quick? Because I know time is going to tick and time is going to run out on us. But here's what I want to yep. tell you, though, right? Sometimes we forget that that's easy for some of us to say stay at home because a lot of us have the comforts of home. But there are a lot of people out there that don't have the comforts of home and they rather be out in the streets moving around. They don't have television. They don't have the accommodations of heat or air conditions or the cupboards to be full and running over. They don't have diet sodas and sodas and refreshments and things like that. So a home is not a home to them. So therefore it's, it's difficult for them to stay there. So, but that's a whole nother conversation that goes to some of the social issues that we have and a lot of other things that we have in our country. And that, but but that's right. another and conversation for another time, but that's easier said than done. done. And you know, you think about, so we're, we here are here with that going on in our country, but then you think about uh, some of the other countries on the world, the third world countries, where we say, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands. You know, most Americans can wash their hands a lot, but there are places, a lot, there's probably a billion people on the planet that do not even have access to fresh water. They can't just wash their hands. So it's a time for us to think about our, our all and the world's all. Well, as you said, our time has basically run out. Uh, been a sober show. Thanks, sir, and uh, you have a you have a good day, and I hope our listeners do as well. Stay safe out there. And I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, Black and White. Can we talk the week in review? Have a great rest of your rest of your week. Thank you. You've been listening to Black and White. Can we just talk from Piedmont International University, located in Winston Salem, North Carolina? Piedmont is a Christ-centered university committed to exceptional teaching scholarly research, creative innovation, and professional collaboration. You can find out more at piedmontu.edu.